Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Britney Spears' father asked her to continue paying his $1,200 an hour legal fees. Ellen Pompeo is ready for Grey's Anatomy to end. And we're talking to BuzzFeed News' Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud about Jason Isbell and how racism is ingrained in the country music scene. It's December 21st, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So to kick things off, just a few months after being removed as one of Britney Spears' conservators, her father, Jamie Spears, has requested she continue to pay his legal fees. In an article from Variety, it was reported that Jamie Spears' lawyer charges about $1,200 an hour. According to the legal documents filed last week, quote, Prompt payment on account of Jamie's attorney's fees is necessary to ensure the conservatorship can be wound up quickly and efficiently to allow Brittany to take control of her life as she and Jamie desire. The fiduciary obligations Jamie owes did not end with his suspension or with the order terminating the conservatorship. Uh, fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hate this. Like, I mean, after all of the damage he did, he's now still asking for money. Oh, truly. I I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't know how to make money because he's just been baking off of his own daughter. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I I hate this. And I really hope that she doesn't have to or agree to this in any way. I know. And I really hate the line that was like to take control of her life as she and Jamie desire. I'm like, oh, that is not what he desires. Right. Exactly. Lies. All lies. (laughs) The whole point is that he has never desired that. God damn. Oh, all right. Moving on. If you feel like it's time for Grey's Anatomy to end because it's been on forever. Okay, rude. (laughs) Rude. Casey, it is literally older than some high schoolers. And I literally don't care. (laughs) Well, Ellen Pompeo is ready to say goodbye to the show. She told Insider, quote, I've been trying to focus on convincing everybody that it should end. I feel like I'm the super naive one who keeps saying, but what's the story going to be? What story are we going to tell? Unfortunately for Ellen, it seems there's still just too much money to be made. She said, quote, everyone's like, who cares, Ellen? It makes a gazillion dollars. (laughs) I mean, it is true. The show the show is giving jobs to people. 
for, you know, like that is just how it works. And I get it. Shows come to an end. But I mean, they've gone this far. And I actually think it's kind of stupid that she was like, but what's the story going to be? I'm like, you guys have had three to four plane crashes. Literally, you, I was I'm like, say. I'm like, you are not afraid of repeating storylines. So keep yeah, it up, baby. Ridiculous things. <laughs> just, just keep the cycle Listen, going. If, if she wants to phase out, she can. She spent all of last season not in a coma. In a coma. Yeah, she was in a coma. And it wasn't even her body. It was a fake body they created. So, okay, she doesn't have to be there. Okay, but here's what I was thinking. Without her, who will the gray be? She has a half-sister. I thought she died in the plane No, crash. she's another one. Oh, my God. See, I gave up after 11 years, so I'm missing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> All right. So moving on, for fans of country music, it might not come as a surprise that the industry has a history rooted in covert racism and sexism. Thankfully, things are starting to slowly change as more artists are becoming aware of and actively combating this disparity. Today, we're talking with BuzzFeed News' Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud about Jason Isbell and white nostalgia in country music. Hi, Elamine. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, friend. How's it going? Uh, good. And also, how does it feel to be one of our last guests of the year? I don't know. I don't know. I think I feel good, but also I feel like I'm sad. So it's like a, yeah, it's like that's a good, yeah. it's like a happy and sad at the same time, if you will. Casey okay. Musgrave said that first. <laughs> well, speaking of another country singer, we're going to be talking about Jason Isbell today, but I, I have to say uh, the piece that you wrote for BuzzFeed News, my God, my God, you did a great job and people are freaking loving it. Thank you. Um, I've been stunned by the reaction that people have been having, mostly because it is 7,500 words long and people have been like tweeting it, but also they've been tweeting things from like the last third of the piece. I'm like, oh my God, you made it all the way through. Like, it's just, it's been so nice and so gratifying. And also like, it kind of feels like a chapter of a book. Like that's how long this thing is. It is, it's a beast, but I feel so good about it. So you just wrote this massive profile for BuzzFeed News about Jason Isbell and the historical racism ingrained in country music. And, you know, you've spoken on this podcast about the outsized racism and sexism in the country music industry before. But what is it about this subject that you find so compelling? I think I uh, I find the, if you will, the ahistorical approach to country music to be really interesting. There's a lot of country music fans who don't seem to know that country music is black music. It comes from black music. It is an offshoot of combining a lot of styles of music that were prevalent in the South. And about a hundred years ago, record executives were like looked at um, white and black bands who are doing the same kinds of music. And they said, you know what? All these white bands, you're now doing hillbilly music. And all the black bands, you're now doing something called race records. And then race records developed into a bunch of other categories and hillbilly music got rebranded as country music. And it's like, Literally, the reason we have genres to begin with is because racism and capitalism, two things we famously don't like, kind of, you know, combining to make a super monster. Like, that's why you have a genre to begin with. And so I've always been interested in people who cling on to the idea of genre so tightly because to me, like country music has always been black music. Well, you know, something really interesting about Jason that you wrote about is his antagonism towards country music or at the very least being categorized as a country musician. So where does that conflict stem from? 
Uh, a few things. He concedes that he writes about some sort of similar topics as the rest of country music does. However, he doesn't consider himself a country musician. He considers himself to be in a rock and roll band. But one of the things that we talked about is that he is also kind of done with this concept of genres, right? Like it, Because these genres are so restrictive and they come from this place of every time you believe in a firm genre boundary, all you're doing is saying, yeah, they were right a hundred years ago to make these firm divisions between these genres, between to segregate music in the way that they did. I think Jason Isbell sort of traverses a bunch of different styles of music, whether it's Americana or rock and roll or country. I think he sort of straddles the line between all those things, but it was just interesting to hear the way that he pushes back against just the notion of genre to begin with. And, you know, you spoke to Jason in the middle of his eight-night residency at Nashville's Ryman Auditorium. And this residency was pretty historic in that seven of the eight nights he had Black female performers opening for him. When you spoke to Jason, did he explain what his intentions were with this choice? Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that. That was sort of the impetus for me going. You know, it's been... An interesting year in country music in the sense that, you know, Morgan Wallen, who's probably the genre's biggest star at the moment, was caught on video saying the N-word earlier this year. A few months later, Jason Isbell announces that he's doing his Ryman residency. It's a thing that he does every year. Only this year, seven out of the eight nights, he has a different black woman for him opening for him each of those nights. To me, that felt like a like a like an intentional kind of counter programming, right? Like you know, the industry's going this way, but he's going to do something that's different. So I wanted to confirm that. You know, I wanted to ask about the motivation behind that. And the answer that he gave me was, look. It's, yeah, it is, in fact, boldly against the thing that happened earlier this year. However, and this is the biggest thing, is like, he's like, he didn't mean this as some kind of fucking after school special. This like, and now here's all these black women. It was like, for him, here are all these women that he really enjoys listening to. Their music means a lot to him. One of the things that he said is that he really wanted to come out on stage to the energy that they create on stage. You know, like, that's like something that he wanted to be a part of. So it was not so much a here's all these black women, let's pick this moment for that kind of thing, as much as he was like, for him, really just loving the music that these women make. All right, we'll be right back with more from Elamine. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hey, this is Paris Hilton. Last year, I revealed the story of my abuse at Provo Canyon School. Since then, thousands of survivors have come forward. Now, I'm on a mission to expose the truth of the entire industry. In this weekly investigative podcast, me and my host, Rebecca Mellinger and Caroline Cole, will examine one infamous teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. When you first get there, you have to experience girls screaming, locked up, peeing themselves, in the hallway sleeping. And you're like, where am I? 
holy heck, this is not what I expected. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We're talking with BuzzFeed News' Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud about his recent profile of Jason Isbell. So you spoke to several of the black female artists who opened for Isbell, including Mickey Guyton. She's someone who has been in the country music industry for over a decade, but is now starting to receive the recognition that she actually deserves. Did Mickey go into detail about what this moment means to her and how she's planning on using her new stardom? For sure. Mickey talked a lot about the fact that it has taken her 10 years, 10 years. Can you imagine 10 years to put her debut record? So her debut record just came out in September 2021. This is a woman who's been signed to a label since 2011. So a really long time. And part of the delay has been label machinery sort of starting to think of her, trying to categorize her as a, as an R&B artist. You know, she's a black woman, she's making country music, and she's like, look, I don't, I don't make R&B. I know that music. I love that music, but that's not the thing, the kind of thing that I'm interested in. She kept on fighting those battles, and after a lot of wins, last year she was nominated for a Grammy. This year, her album is up for several more, so, like, it just really feels gratifying to be in this Mickey moment, but... She's not going to rest here. She's not like, oh, I made it. I'm done. I can sort of like now coast on my success. Like she's someone who is conscious of the next generation of the people who are facing similar battles as her. And she wants to make sure that those people get to see the help that they need. Yeah. And, you know, we've got, you know, great singers like her. And then we have, you know, who we met, we were talking about a little earlier. We've got Morgan Wallen, who is country music's most profitable star. And, you know, he came under fire earlier this year after being caught on tape saying a racial slur. And after the scandal, he was sort of canceled for a moment, but has ended the year as the top selling musical artist across all genres, which, you know, it, it's not surprising. We're, see, we're seeing that at the Golden Globes too, you know, but does something like this dishearten you? How do you reconcile it with the progress trying to be made by artists like Isabel? You know, I think I think it's actually genuinely tough to process the news that Morgan Wallen is the top selling artist of all genres because you've had so many successful artists this year. So I just want everyone to just like take a moment and think about all the artists you've had come out this year. Olivia Rodrigo sold like, you know, several trucks worth of albums. Drake Kanye, none of these people, all these people put out records. Adele put out a record this year, and none of them are were able to top Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen is the top-selling artist of the year in the U.S. That's pretty bonkers. And when we consider that in the context of the fact that for a few months, he was banned from radio. You know, radio said, we can't associate with you right now. Fans rebelled and turned out in droves to buy his album. So there's something going on there about the need to protect a figure like Morgan Wallen 
and the need to protect some people's need to protect a figure like Morgan Wallen and his vision of what country music is that obviously deserves a counterpoint or deserves a counter voice. And I think Jason Isbell is not intentionally trying to be that counter voice, but they are sort of, to me anyway, seemed like it was a moment to contrast the two of them for many reasons, not the least of which is that one of Morgan's biggest songs is a cover of a Jason Isbell song. Cover Me Up is probably Jason Isbell's biggest song. Morgan Wallen covered it. It's on his most recent album. One of the things that Jason Isbell sort of did earlier this year is he said all the money that he makes from that cover, he'll be donating to black-led organizations locally in Nashville. So like we, we just, it's like a really sharp contrast opportunity for us to just like look at two different stories that are happening in Nashville. So, you know, the main idea of this piece is how Jason is combating the themes of white nostalgia and white victimhood that are so prevalent in country music. So in your opinion, what is he doing that you find to be effective on this front? And what do you think is next for country music? I think he's doing a lot of being an example that counters that white nostalgia, you know? So he's somebody who says, I grew up in Alabama. I grew up cleaning and shooting um, and putting together, taking apart and putting together the guns that people are talking about when they want to ban, you know, assault weapons. And like, I agree that there should be, you know, a, a ban on those things. There's a certain story that particularly identified rural America tells about itself, about white victimhood, about being poor, about being the being particularly victimized. It's the idea that makes, you know, um, a concept like make America um, great again, particularly salient. It's like they're trying to restore that nostalgic idea that's been lost. Isabel, I think, is just telling a different story, a counter story to that. One of the things that he, you know, one of the stories that he told me is he talked about how when he grew up, he didn't really think about how, whether they were poor or rich, but then he got a little bit older and he was like, oh, I grew up poor. And then he started touring the country and he was like, oh no, I grew up fine. I grew up fine and I will not, I don't have any need to believe the story that me and my people are actually victims because I've seen the ways that poverty can manifest itself in the indigenous territories at West. When you sort of have that experience, you have a, I think a cleaner and clearer version of what America looks like. And he's sort of trying to counter that, I think. Man. And so, and so what do you think is next for country music? Do you think other people will follow his example? I don't know if they will necessarily. Um, but I think what's exciting to me is that like these black women don't need their permission or sort of, you know, to be given the opportunity. I think like they're sort of taking it for themselves and they're helping each other as they do that. Some of the amazing women there, you know, Brittany Spencer is, I think she's going to have an amazing 2022. She's, she's got a couple songs. I'm just like, please put them out. Like it's going to be huge when you do. Alison Russell just had an album that was recognized as one of the best albums of the year by several places, New York Times, Pitchfork, those kinds of places. She's getting like the credit that I think she deserves. And so when I just start to think about those names, I just start to think about the spaces that they can occupy and it feels like the opportunities for them are bigger. One of the things that Mickey talked to me about is that, you know, there are lots of artists who will make sure that they take out someone who is, who needs to be given the opportunity on tour. Um, you know, Chris Stapleton taking out someone like Yola, for example, like that seems like a really beautiful kind of matchup Two powerhouse voices. Yola deserves that spotlight for sure. So it feels like maybe that's the next place we're going to is 
artists who are maybe starting to think about their own responsibility in helping artists who need to be highlighted and how they can best use their platforms to do that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. You are the best. All right, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, if you're Ellen Pompeo, just let everyone else keep their jobs. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you go for your podcasts. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of the biggest stories on BuzzFeed coming to you daily. MeUndies knows relationships aren't perfect. That's why they're celebrating imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. Right now, new customers get 25% off matching pairs. Match your bottom half to your better half in fun, limited edition prints. Check out all of MeUndies' sustainably soft undies, socks, bralettes, loungewear, and more available in sizes extra small to 4XL. Get 25% off your first order of matching pairs, plus free shipping, at MeUndies.com VDay25. Hello. I'm Mini Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers, like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry. I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it to me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them. Artist and creative juggernaut Goldie. And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you, right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and and, and laugh. And I find that being the happiest. And many more. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.